1: It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were given to the average American, the rich would have their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a really great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once it's in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAleese, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to All right, here we go. So let's supercharge your wealth building plan now with Jim McAleese. Here we are. Big intro, big intro. Get everybody dancing. You're on. Good
2: morning and welcome to Get Rich Flow. This is your money school for financial winners. Here we explore strategies to help you prosper. We look at the big picture and then develop plans, plans to help guide our families to meet their financial goals. Get Rich Slow gives you solid financial strategies, strategies that will help improve your financial life. If you want the truth, not the hype, please join us for the next hour for Get Rich Slow. I'm Jim McAleese, Certified Financial Planner and President of Cornerstone Consultancy Incorporated, where Securities and Investment Advisory Services are offered through Next Financial Group Incorporated, which is a member of Finland Civic Cornerstone Consultants, is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Well, good morning. I, I really plan to ease into winter as the <laughs> temperatures gradually lower until we really get into winter sometime in January. Well, what a pipe dream. This past week, old man Winter, he showed up at full force, Temperatures in the mid-teens, strong winds, oh, the, the chill factors were way out there. And we have just a little snow, to, like icing on a cake. But maybe the weather will improve for Thanksgiving. Maybe. <laughs> uh, I think this will be the first normal Thanksgiving since the COVID appeared over two and a half years ago. The airport, the airplane, they're full, the restaurants are jammed, sporting events, stage shows are back, and people are getting back to normal. People are meeting and greeting and visiting again, and mostly without the mask. sometimes it's necessary though. So this Thanksgiving, it will be great to get together with the family and catch up on what's happening, how are the kids and the grandkids doing, hopefully things are going well, who's working, who isn't, Uh, where are the kids in school. Who's graduated? you got to have a graduation gift. <laughs> You'll know, I, I, you know, hear about where people are traveling to nowadays. They're all over the place. My clients keep me up to speed in river cruises and, and uh, up the Rhine and to other countries. And even, even with a virus uh, problem, we all have so much to be thankful for. In reality, we should be thankful every day for all that God gives us. And our families. Each of us in our own special way is truly blessed. And to observe Thanksgiving, let's count your blessings instead of your crosses. Count your gains instead of your losses. Count your joys instead of your woes. Count your friends instead of your foes. Count your smiles instead of your tears. Count your courage instead of your fears. Count your full years instead of your lean Count your kind deeds instead of your mean. Count your health instead of your wealth. And count on God instead of yourself. So words to live by all year long. Thanksgiving is the start of the holiday season. And maybe I can uh, do a little bit better job by watching my weight this time. uh, So that after Thanksgiving and and the Christmas holidays, I'll at least have a fighting chance of getting back into shape by February, and since uh, this weekend, this next weekend will be a very long weekend with Thanksgiving and so weekend, we will find the time to review the economy and how it's affecting our investment. This week, global equities were markets were mixed. In the U.S., the three major stock indices were down for the week, but not too much. Uh, while in the U.K the FTSE 100 was up for the week, while in the European Union, both Germany's DAX and the stock Europe 600 were both up for the week. In Asia, Japan's DK225 was down for the week, but in China, both the Shanghai Composite and the Hong Kong Hang Seng were both up for the week. On Friday, the three major U.S. stock indices closed for the week at the Dow Jones closed at 33,745.69. So it was down, get a load of this, it was down 0.006%. That's six thousandths of one percent. So you might as well say it was flat this week. Uh, the Standard & Poor 500 closed at 396534 and it was down uh, 0.69% for the week. You know, basically, uh, let's call it 7 cents of 1% for the week. The NASDAQ did a little worse. I mean, the NASDAQ closed at 11,146.06. And it was down 1.57% for the week. And basically, the Dow Jones at the standard of Poor, were flat while the, while the NASDAQ was down a bit. Uh, A week ago, uh, the equity markets rallied because inflation had fallen more than predicted. The U.S. Department of Labor issued their uh, Consumer Price Index report for October, showing that inflation eased in October to the slowest pace since January. But, hey, the numbers are still big. Uh, Prices rose 7.7 percent in October from the same uh, month a year earlier. And, uh, it, well, that's that's lower than the 9.1% in June, and that was the highest uh, inflation reading in, in 40 years. And the consumer price index rose a seasonably adjusted four-tenths of 1% in October from September. So all that was good news, and uh, the market rallied last week, uh, not a week ago. Thursday and Friday a week ago. And this week, the U.S. Department of Commerce reported really good uh, retail sales numbers for October, and retail sales data for October showed the biggest increase in uh, eight months uh, with nine of the 13 categories showing gains. Uh, Purchases jumped to 1.3%. Last month, that's one month's jump uh, after stagnating in September, that shows, uh, consumers' demand for goods is holding up despite your uh, high inflation. Yet retailers, uh, countered that they saw evidence that shoppers are pulling back. Uh, Target's, uh, CEO, Brian uh, Cornell, warned that customers were increasingly hit by inflation, rising interest rates, and economic uncertainty. Meanwhile, Walmart uh, surged the most in over two years after reporting that wealthy shoppers turned to uh, bargain hunters, helped drive strong third-quarter results. But the Federal Reserve put a damper on the good news, and you know, to basically to to battle price pressures, a series of Federal Reserve speakers uh, spoke of the need to continue to raise. Interest rates, despite some signs that inflation is starting to wane, Uh, St. Louis's uh, Federal President, uh, uh, St. Louis's Federal Reserve President uh, James Bullard, urged policymakers to lift rates at least five to five and one quarter percent. In fact, he did show a graph. I don't have it available that showed that the Federal Reserve might have to go as high. Uh, as 7%, that'll be sometime next year. So he put a marker as the, as the minimum of five or five and a quarter percent. And, uh, Minneapolis said, uh, Chief, uh, Neil Cash, Harry said that it's an open question of how far the central bank has to go to bring, uh, demand back into balance. Uh, federal Governor Christopher Waller uh, said Wednesday was too soon uh, to conclude that inflation has peaked and that the central bank would be able to end its uh, rate increases early next year. The U.S. economic growth and the wage gains need to slow for the Fed to be confident that its rate increases will reduce inflation, Mr. Waller said in uh, a Phoenix speech after the, a, a retail sales reports were out. Mr. Waller pointed to periods this summer and one year ago in which inflation pressures appeared to be easing only to re-accelerate. Quote, we've seen this movie before, so it's too early to know whether it has a different ending this time. Unquote, he said. Uh, All of this is basically with regard to the, the, uh, the, the equity markets want to rise, want to, want to get back on their rallies again, but uh, the Federal Reserve is cautioning everybody that hey, uh, we've got to we've got to get this inflation down to two or three percent before uh, we can really relax about inflation. Now Esther George, who is president of the Federal Reserve Bank of Kansas City says the Fed will need to continue raising rates even if it dials down the pace of increases. Uh, She was concerned that inflation is at risk of growing entrenched in the economy due to an overheated job market. Uh, And that would make it increasingly difficult for the Federal Reserve to bring inflation down without a recession. Uh, Quote, I'm looking at a labor market that is so tight uh, this is from uh, uh, Esther George. I'm quote. I'm looking at a, a labor market that is so tight. I don't know how you continue to bring this level of inflation down without having some real slowing, and maybe we even have to have a contraction in the economy to get there. That means in, that means a recession. She didn't say that, but uh, some of uh, Miss George's uh, colleagues. I've recently said that they still see a way for the Federal Reserve to bring inflation down without a serious downturn. But uh, Mr. George was more circumspect in an interview on Tuesday. Quote, I would love it if that was the path. I've seen people paint that path. She said, I have not in my 40 years with the Fed seen in time of this uh, thi- this kind of tightening that you didn't get some painful outcome. Uh, officials are raising rates in the most uh, uh, aggressive pace since the early 1980s to combat inflation. That's at a four-year, 40-year high. Uh, you know, the, the, the Federal Reserve on November 2nd approved its fourth consecutive rate increase of three-quarters of a percent, raising the benchmark uh, federal funds rate To presently between 3.75 and 4 percent, and if you you know we know that the Fed combats inflation by slowing the economy through their tighter fiscal uh, uh, conditions, such as higher borrowing costs, and that uh, in turn curbs demand. And uh, again, according for Esther Esther George. The pandemic and the disrupted supply chains were a major contributor to the initial surge in price pressures last year. But she said the economy's capacity to supply workers and produce goods and services, the so-called supply side of the economy, has been slower to heal, which has kept inflation at higher levels for longer than many policymakers anticipated. The upshot is that the Federal Reserve will need to continue raising interest rates even if it dials down the pace of increase at its December uh, 13th and 14th meeting, as many officials, including Ms. Ms. George, have supported. He said, quote, seeing that we're not going to get help in the supply side, we have a lot more work to do. When I think about inflation today, I, we've kind of turned the tide of the supply chain uh, production side shortages, and now we're looking at labor as the uh, driver here. You notice that <clears throat> there's a lot of comments about the uh, the tight labor market, and the rest of the economy seems to be slowing down. You know the Increases in uh, interest rates have slowed down home construction. They've slowed down home sales. Uh, they're slowing down uh, you know, a lot of uh, capital improvements that companies are looking at and say, well, since we don't know whether there's going to be a recession or not, let's just uh, uh, put things on the back burner until we find out what is going on here. Uh, and this is George, uh, called recent reports of inflation decelerating a good start, because they revealed that prices for goods and services in interest-sensitive sectors of the economy, such as housing, were cooling. But she said it was very premature to be looking ahead to when the Fed would start uh, would stop raising rates because she was troubled by the strong price pressures in labor-intensive service sectors. Uh, these prices tend to be stickier, meaning that they tend to slow uh, They slow very little or not at all outside of a recession. Uh, Ms. George, who uh, has been a leading voice in slowing down the pace of rate increases so that the central bank has more time to see how its policies are rippling through the economy over time. But at the same time, she suggested that interest rates might have to rise to higher levels to slow the economy because households uh, exited the pandemic in a better financial position thanks to the government relief funds and deferred spending. And she said that it would make sense to the Federal Reserve to slow the pace of rate increases next year to a more traditional quarter percent uh, in increments. But she said The real challenge for policymakers centers on the danger of prematurely ending rate rises. Uh, Quote, for me, the the more important question, this is uh, Ms. George, uh, the more important question for this committee looking out over next year is being careful not to stop too soon. That was a lesson from the 1970s and 80s. Uh, And we got it. Uh, we oh, we've got it now, we can stop, and then you find out that inflation really reemerges in some other way. So uh, <clears throat> there were other voices, too, that reinforced this idea that uh, higher Fed funds rates uh, than planned uh, would be the, the ultimate solution. Larry Summers, who was the former Secretary of the Treasury, he commented regarding the Federal Reserve, And he uh, endorsed the current approach of the policymakers. Quote, uh, officials have indicated they might step down the size of the next interest rate increase at the December meeting. Uh, They they also telegraphed uh, further moves into next year that would take the policy rate up to a level higher than predicted in September. He said the Federal Reserve quote, he, the Fed has this in the right place when it says they're going to move up somewhat more and they're going to take uh, stock of the situation uh. and see what the inflation data is saying and see that inflation fore- what in- inflation forecasters are saying, unquote. The former Secretary of the Treasury said, at this point, it's pretty, it's pretty clear that we had the big moves on this cycle, Uh, following four straight three-quarters of a percent rate increases. The key now is not ending the tightening prematurely, unquote. And uh, market expectations indicate a a peak federal funds rate of about 5%. Uh, Larry Summers said, quote, in my sense, uh, is there more room for that to be too low than there is to be too high? So. Basically, he's saying that the 5% uh, might be a low ball number. Uh, so basically what you're seeing is the equity markets want to go up, but the Federal Reserve governors and presidents uh, see the need for higher rates and more tightening to slow down the labor market. The Department of Labor's employment situation report shows that workers' raises uh, – over the past year, have been in the 4.7 to 5 percent range, and that's not basically that's not compatible with inflation of two or three percent. So, I think what you're going to see is an emphasis on uh, getting those raises down into the three percent range rather than 4.7 to five. So, at the next the Federal Open Market Committee meeting, December 13th and 14th we'll see the latest estimates of what's necessary and needed in rate increases for 2023. The old ones that they came up with in September, they're saying that, Hey, they're too low, but they haven't really shown us what they're going to do in the future. And if we look around, what else happened this week? You know, there was good news and there was bad news. Uh, you new home construction. We knew that the rate increases have uh, put a damper on new home construction. And that's uh, construction that's been slowing since mortgage rates uh, had increased. The U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, they keep track of this new home construction. They have this monthly new residential uh, construction report. And the report came out for October. And that basically shows that, uh, uh, both permits and starts uh, were down in October compared to September and the starts were down uh, 4.2% compared to September and and, and then uh, October uh, uh, 2000, 2021 versus 2020 the, uh, the, the they, they were down 8.8% so the So what you're seeing is existing home sales. uh, That's also been affected, impacted by the uh, the, the existing home sales have been uh, impacted by as well as home construction. And according to the National Association of Realtors, existing home sales uh, decreased uh, 5.9 percent in uh, October from September, and uh, year-over-year sales dropped uh, 28.4%. But even though sales are going down, uh, the home prices are still going up, but at a, a reduced level. And we'll be talking later in the show about both existing home sales, the numbers there in terms of uh, price increases and things of this nature and, and uh, inventory. And as well as the uh, home construction. And the good news this week was the uh, retail and food services. Uh, that report came out from the Department of Commerce, and that said that for October, uh, retail sales and food services uh, were up 1.3% for the month uh, from October, in October from September, and they were also up 8.3%. From a year ago. So, if you take a look at the year ago number, it's in inflation running along at somewhere around eight percent, actually seven point seven. But it's 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 been up there. Uh, what you're seeing is that hey, uh, those numbers are not uh, uh, adjusted for inflation. So basically, what you're seeing is that it costs uh, if you continue to buy the same amount of uh, goods and services that you were buying before, it's going to cost you approximately 8% more, which is exactly what the report shows. Uh, it's just different areas of, the, of what you're buying move at different uh, speeds. For instance, like uh, uh, this latest report showed that in the month of October, gasoline prices, gasoline station uh, sales were up 4.1%. That's mainly gas. Uh, And they were up 18.7% for a year ago. Food and drinking places, food services and restaurants, basically, uh, they were up 1.6% for the month and 14.1% over the last 12 months. Auto dealers were up 1.5% for the month of October and uh, 4.8% over the last uh, 12 months, over the last year. Uh, Food and beverage stores, were up 1.4%. That's our food prices. And they were up 8% over the last year. And then non-store, non-store retailers were up 1.2% and 11.5%. So we're basically still using the Amazon uh, Walmart uh, uh, buy it over the phone, buy it over the uh, internet. So the other thing that happened this week was the industrial production and capacity utilization. Uh, That came out from the Federal Reserve for October, and that showed industrial production decreased one-tenth of a percent in October, and we'll get into that later in the show. And also, the the leading economic index from the conference board in October is basically signaling a possible recession in the near future, like... uh, The start of 2023. So we'll talk about that later in the show, too. So basically, the things we talk about give you a picture of what is going on in the big picture. And there's a lot of uncertainty and drama in the big economy uh, right now. We need to get our, uh, we need to stay calm in our own financial plan, get it organized and reduce the drama in our own personal world. Then that means uh, uh, take a look at your uh, look at the family goals. Uh, what are they? What's kind of schedule? What do we need in terms of assets to meet those goals? How are we going to accumulate those assets? That boils down to savings. That means allocating the uh, money that's coming into the house so much for savings, so much for the standard of living. Uh, then you have to stay on top of all this with regard to, uh, you've got a plan. Uh, the plan is going to uh, take you from wherever you're at right now till the 90, when you're 95 years old. And, uh, so all along the time you'll have a roadmap uh, to get you there, but the roadmap is going to, uh, be revised at times. You know, because of personal circumstances, and because of investments, and because of uh, families' change and stuff like that. So, uh, but it does provide you with a roadmap that says uh, uh, this is what the future will hold. Just uh, uh, don't spend every penny and uh, save money and invest it and uh, uh, think about things before you buy them. And also, You know, it talks about, uh, uh, gives you a a basis for making decisions with regard to uh, if I want to buy a a boat or a a vacation home or something like that, uh, what am I going to give up to get that? What am I going to give up kids' education? Uh, So what do do we want to do there? So this is Jim McAleese. Uh, You're listening to Get Rich Low this morning. and. we have a toll-free number you can call. It's uh, 1-888-281-1110. That's one 281 1110 So give me a call. We'll talk about whatever you want to talk about.
1: <clears throat>
2: and uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor.
1: Hi, I'm Colleen, producer of Get Rich Slow. Each week, we take calls from people just like you, who have questions for our host, Jim McAleese? Oftentimes, however, Jim can't answer all your questions because of time restraints and the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstones Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tamma McAleese. Cornerstones Consultants, Inc., has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, finding your next home, planning for retirement, finding the right mutual fund, or covering your assets with the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today. That number again, 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow with Jim Magalise.
2: Get Rich Slow, this is your host this morning, uh, Jim McAleese. You can give us a call over our toll-free number It's 1-888-281-1110. If you want to talk about your plans, your financial plans, or questions about what's going on out there, uh, and how that's going to impact you, just give us a call. The number here is 1-888-281-1110. Love to get a call from you. Uh let's go into
1: Jim we we got a call yes. from Kenneth. He was he called during the break and he's got a great question. His 20 year term life insurance policy will end in a few months and he wants to know what options do we have to look into.
2: Okay. Uh Ken there's uh <clears throat> let's see Well, you didn't tell me how old you were, but let's let's go into it. Term life insurance, basically, uh, there's no long-term savings in term life insurance. Term life insurance is great uh, because it is basically the cheapest uh, type of life insurance, and uh, it pays off uh, if you die. So uh, that's why large family protection policies, uh, you can get them at high, very high uh, uh, insurance uh, numbers for a modest price. Uh, coverage typically ends, you know, after twenty or thirty years, and there's a that's that's part of your that's part of your your policy that this this um, insurance is good for this period of time. And by the by, <clears throat> let's say if you if you buy them when you're young let's say when you're 35 or 40 years old and you've got it for 20 years and, and uh, you take it from 35 to 55, or, or even if you're, let's say, if you're 25 years old, uh, those times when you're younger, you have a lot of, uh, of, of capability and unrealized assets, but really very little tangible assets. In other words, you're young, you've got some experience, you've got work potential, you got 40 years of work ahead of you, and you've got all this unrealized assets, and you've taken on all sorts of liabilities like uh, a family, uh, a children, uh, a house, all the rest of those liabilities that basically dwarf the assets that you have. So you basically have to get. Uh, life insurance to be able to cover you uh, in, in case something happens to you so uh, so if you're if you're let's say in your 50s or 60s and let's say your term insurance expires and you still need the coverage perhaps you married later or you still have children to support uh, or maybe you got retired before you felt you were going to be retired your if you're in good health, and need and need coverage for only a few years. What you do is shop around, talk your insurance insurance uh, person uh, for a new five or ten or fifteen year policy. And the prices at the, at the even at that age are still reasonable in your fifties and sixties. Uh, particularly if you don't smoke and you you have a reasonable uh, weight, uh, you probably won't need as much coverage as you did when you were 25 or 35 Uh, and uh, the, the uh, insurance company will typically write a policy for you, but uh, they'll require a physical and they'll also require a review of your medical records. So if you're in good shape and you know, you'll need coverage, uh, then you can either get the, uh, Term insurance for another five, 10, or fifteen years, or uh, if you do need the insurance until the day you die, you might uh, might consider an insurance uh, such as a guaranteed no lapse universal life or universal life with uh, secondary guarantees. Basically, these policies they provide uh, they don't provide hardly anything in the way of a cash value, but they do provide insurance life insurance so uh if you do cancel it you probably won't get any money back so it's not a savings plan it's an insurance plan they cost less than half as much as the traditional uh whole life insurance but they cost they they charge more they cost more than the term insurance so so effectively what you're getting is a is a late-age term insurance, and you might need insurance until the day you die. Maybe it's part of your uh, estate planning. Maybe it's part of your uh, uh, your obligations to uh, the, the family in terms of who needs support. You uh, when you're 90 years old, and uh, the only thing you have to remember is make sure you pay the premiums on time and uh, keep the guarantee in place. Now that's for the case if you can if you're in reasonable shape. Now if you're not in good health and you can't buy insurance on the open market at a reasonable price, uh, your current insurer insurer will probably convert part of all of your term policy into some sort of a of a permanent insurance, a universal life plan. Uh, there's no need Generally, there's no need for a physical exam, and uh, uh, you'll be offered whatever type of conversion policies the insurance uh, the insurer has on the shelf. Uh, but timing is important. You have, you have to convert your, your your term policy within a certain time period uh, that the policy requires, usually just months or weeks uh, just before it expires, but sometimes much earlier. So if you miss the window, you miss that chance. Now, if you're in poor health and can't pass a physical exam and miss your chance to convert your term policy to permanent insurance, uh, you can continue your expiring uh, uh, term insurance regardless of health, but the premiums are fairly high. In other words, the, the premiums will be high, and there's no guarantee that they won't increase. In fact, they will increase, and uh, the way the insurer looks at it, if you, uh, if you were in good health and a reasonably uh, candidate for insurance, you would have gone and gotten a new policy, uh, either term or universal life. So if you're extending the policy, the, the rates are kind of high because they're figuring that there's something wrong with you, otherwise you would have gotten, uh, gotten a new policy and gone through the physical to get a new policy. So, in all of this, remember why you bought life insurance in the first place, and that is you had a lot of liabilities and very little assets. So, as you get older, you know, uh, you accumulate those assets, and Basically, the liabilities uh, go away. You know, the house uh, suddenly the mortgage is gone. The house is paid for. The kids are out of school. uh, You know, your your liabilities have gone down considerably. So, in that case, you have to you have to look at it and say, do I need life insurance anymore? And uh, you might just consider saying, I'll take the premiums that I was putting into the life insurance and and put them into my uh, investments, into my other assets. So, uh, different ways of doing it. So, uh, term insurance—you uh, know—we brought this discussion up on term insurance. Is uh, gives you the biggest bang for your buck, and uh, uh, but it's mainly useful and, and most useful when you're younger, uh, when you need that life insurance and. Uh, As you get older, those term, uh, uh, those term, let's say when you're uh, 50 and 60 years old, uh, you can get a 10-year term, and it won't be, it'll be costly, but it won't be that costly. When you get to be 75, 85 years old, you can't get these uh, uh, term insurance products, so you have to go to a universal life. So, Uh, good question, Ken. If you if you need any more uh, discussions on that, just call in. Just uh, uh, say hey, I'll wait on the line until I get in there. Okay, this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. You can give us a call over our toll-free number is one eight 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 two eight one eleven ten. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. Hey, you know one of the things we the Federal Reserve is trying to do is slow the economy down, and the way they do it is to increase the interest rates. And uh, the two things that uh, two areas that have slowed down considerably has been uh, new home construction, as well as home sales. And principally because the the uh, 3% for a 30-year mortgage uh, has gone away, and now you're talking about uh, close to uh, 65 or 7% uh, for that mortgage. Well, in that case, your monthly pre- monthly mortgage payments are going to go up considerably, or you're going to have to say, well, and for this uh, monthly payment, I can buy this much. I can borrow this much money, and I can buy this much house. So the uh, U- U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, they keep track of this new home construction and their monthly uh, new residential uh, construction for October report. comes out every month, and what they show is that uh, Uh, for new homes, and by new homes, I mean single-family homes, uh, uh, multi-family residences, uh, uh, condos, uh, stuff like that, and uh, it includes just about everything, and what you're seeing is in October uh, starts went down 4.2% from the previous month, and 8.8% from October a year ago, and the permits uh, went down 2.4 percent in October and 10.1 percent from a year ago. And but that's not the whole story. What we're seeing is that as the as the uh, uh, prices as the interest rates increase, the housing becomes uh, less affordable. So. Uh, people are gravitating more towards the multifamily uh, uh, houses rather than the single-family single, single family houses. So if you take a look at the comparison in the starts of a, uh, in October, the starts for the single-family homes were down 6.1%, but for a multifamily, they were down only one-half of one, 1%. And if you compare them to a year ago, the starts to a year ago, you see that the single-family starts are down 20.8%, and the multifamily uh, starts are up uh, 17.3%. So it's obvious uh, uh, people are trying to get the best deal that they can get, and square footage-wise, and that basically boils down to a, uh, uh, a uh, multifamily home rather than a single-family home. So uh, if we take a look and say, well, how what's happened this year, 2022, versus last year, 2021, you've got uh, basically 10 months of, of data there. And what you see is that uh, for sing- single-family homes, Starts have gone down 7.1%, whereas for multifamily homes, starts have gone up 17.1%. That also trans- translates into the permits, too. In case of the permits, permits for single family homes are down 9%. For the multifamily home, they're down, they're up uh, close to 17%. So, uh, yes, well, let's go to the, let's Let's take the time out and go to the phone. Hello? Hi, Jim. Jim it's
1: it's me. <laughs> yes. Um, oh. John, John gave us a call and, and didn't want to go on the air, but he's got a fabulous question. He wants to know sure. what the difference is between original Medicare and Medicare Advantage.
2: Uh, the Medicare Advantage is, is run by the insurance companies. And the original Medicare is run by the uh, government. So you're dealing with the federal government if you're dealing with Medicare A, B, or D. Uh, and you're dealing with an insurance company if you're dealing with the Medicare Advantage. So basically, the big difference is that in the original Medicare, you can go anywhere you want to. You don't have to have a slip from your insurer that says uh uh, yes, uh, we'll pay for this. Uh, if you've never been to a cardiologist, you suddenly figure that you have to for some reason. You've got a pain in your chest, then you have to and you feel you got to go to a cardiologist. You just go to a cardiologist, you know, uh, and, uh, Medicare will, government Medicare will uh, pay the bills. Uh, the, the insurance company, uh, Medicare Advantage, uh, there's there's a lot of different uh, brands out there, a lot of different uh, policies out there. Uh, you could make a lifetime out of uh, uh, differentiating one policy from another. But the big point, as far as I'm, I'm concerned, is that you do have a gatekeeper in there, and uh, so that you don't just uh, oh I feel like I need to go talk to a cardiologist. Now you are going to go to your uh, gatekeeper, um, your primary physician, and he has to okay you to go for, uh, you know, get outside the, uh, 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 the, the program, so to speak. So uh, that's basically the difference in my mind. Now, in one case, the Advantage program, they give you benefits, more benefits than the... Uh, uh, the uh, government program, but the government program doesn't place any restrictions on you or any gatekeepers on you. Personally, I have the government plans. So uh, I hope that answers your question. <laughs> I, if you want me to get into the details of the benefits of this program, Advantage program versus the other one, it just, it's just voluminous. All right. Thank you very much for calling there. This is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. You can give us a call. The number is one come back to get. Excuse me. Let me get a let me get a sip of uh, tea here. Ah, too much talking. Uh, this is Jim McAleese. You're uh, you're back at Get Rich Slow, and uh, the other thing that happened this week was the uh, existing home sales. And existing home sales are in the same. You know, they're getting punished by the increased rates, also. And uh, basically, what you're seeing is that uh, according to the uh, National Association of Realtors, uh, um, they talk about existing home sales and they've decreased uh, close to 6% in October from September. And they're also down approximately 28.4% from October a year earlier. So, and according to their uh, uh, their chief economist, who is uh, a chief economist of the National Association of Realtors, is Lawrence Yun, Y U N, and he said that quote more potential home buyers are squeezed out, uh, uh, for, uh, squeezed out from qualifying for a mortgage in October as mortgage rates climb. The impact is greater in expensive areas of the country and in markets that uh, witnessed significant home price gains in recent years. But, ne- but in any case, nevertheless, the number of homes for sale is basically still limited. In other words, if you take a look at October, uh, the October, uh, the uh, unsold inventory sits at a 3.3 month supply at the current sales price. And it's basically up from 3.1% the month before and 2.4% a year ago. And according to Lawrence Young, inventory levels are still tight, which is why some homes for sale are receiving multiple offers. In October, 24% of homes received over the asking price, uh, conversely, homes sitting on the market for more than 120 days saw prices reduced by an average of 16%. So the median uh, existing home price for all the housing types was 379100 which was a gain of 6.6% from October a year ago. And uh, uh, basically, homes continued to move rather fast. In other words, typically, uh, properties typically remained on the market for uh, 21 days in October, and uh, 64% of the homes uh, sold in October uh, were on the market for less than a month. So, uh, in the case of uh, single-family homes, single-family homes' sales were down 6.4% in October, and down 28.2% from a year ago, and the median single-family home price was Mm -hmm. $384,900. And uh, that was up uh, 6.2% from October a year ago. So uh, if you take a look at what's happening, that little tweaking back there is my Audubon clock. (laughs) If you take, if you take a look at what's happening in uh, the Midwest, uh, the Midwest uh, home sales slid 5.3 percent in October and fell 25.5 percent from the prior year. And in other parts of the country, the Northeast sales were down six and a half percent. In the South, they were down 4.8 percent. In the West, they were down. Uh, 9.1%, and that's for the month of October. And if you take a look at the 12 uh, month period, in the Northeast, sales were down 20, 23%. South, they were down 27%. And in the West, they were down 37%. That's a big, yet a humongous uh, decrease. So uh, to me, uh, the, the efforts of the uh, Federal Reserve in terms of getting this uh, 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 economy under control, uh, it's starting to show, and it's going to continue to show. And uh, what you're going to see is perhaps uh, you're going to see a recession uh, at the start of next year. Uh, we probably do have a, a Christmas rally in store for us. Uh, as the uh, as the fund managers try to try to nail down their their uh, bonuses, but uh, once we get into the new year, well, well, we'll we'll see we'll see what the real numbers numbers are going to be on the 14th and 15th of the December when they have to the Federal Reserve tells us what they're going to raise to that. This is Jim McAleese. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. Now that the crops are out of the fields and the farmers have time to relax and get philosophical, uh, the old farmer's advice for the life is, one, your fences need to be horse-high, pig-tight, and bull-strong. Also, another thing is, keep skunks and bankers at a good distance, and life is simpler when you plow around the stump also, a bumblebee is considerably faster than a tractor. And, uh, and words that soak into your ears are whispered, not yelled. And uh, forgive your enemies, it messes with their heads. And the other one is, it doesn't take a very big person to carry a grudge. I wonder that you also anybody find useful... You cannot unsay a cool word. So the philosophy is don't say it to begin with. Remember that that silence is sometimes the best answer. Life, live a good, honorable life. And when you get older and think back, you'll enjoy it a second time. And also don't, don't interfere with something that isn't bothering you. None. And also if you find yourself in a hole, The first thing to do is stop digging. Another one is the biggest troublemaker you'll probably ever have to deal with is watching you directly in the mirror every morning. And also, also remember if you're out there in the field, always drink upstream from the herd and realize that good judgment comes from experience and a lot of that comes from bad judgment. And uh, letting the cat out of the bag is a whole lot easier than getting it back in. And if you think you're a person of some influence, try ordering somebody else's dog around. <laughs> and the end result is live simply, love generously, care deeply, speak kindly, leave the rest to God. So until we meet again next week for more of Cat Red, Slow, May God protect you and keep you safe.
1: You've been listening to Get Rich Slow with Jim McAleese of Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. Located at 47149 Bursley Road, Wellington, Ohio, 44090, where securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., a member of FINRA and SIPC. Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc. The materials Jim shares is not intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security or other financial instrument. Past performance does not guarantee future performance. All the views expressed are those of James McAleese and Cornerstone Consultants, Inc., and not those of Next Financial Group, Inc., Next Financial Group does not provide tax advice. The S&P 500 is a market cap weighted index composed of the common stocks of 500 leading companies and leading industries of the U.S. economy. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is a price weighted index of 30 actively traded blue chip stocks. To make an appointment with Jim regarding your own finances, call 440-647-2793. That number again, 440-647-2793. Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on 1420 WHK with more common sense finance strategies for financial winners.